Eddie, what are you doing? Planting seeds. Planting seeds? Yeah, Christian seeds. What you doing, Eddie? Planting seeds. What kind of seeds? Christian seeds. Christian seeds? Yes, Josie, Christian seeds. Wait a minute. There's no such thing as a Christian tree. I'd know if there were. My mom's got a green thumb, and the and she grows all kinds of things. I know she'd grow a Christian tree if there were such a thing. Well, there is, and that's what I'm planting. How do you know that? Because I have good seeds. And good soil. But Eddie, some of the seed has landed on the pavement. Surely the birds will come along and eat them. Yes, that might be. But I have a lot of seed, Josie. Some of it will stick. I know. But Eddie. Some of the seed has landed over here in the cracks in the pavement. Even if the seeds grow, I don't think it'll do very well. Mr. Johnson will probably get it with the weed killer. That's true, Josie. But I have a lot of seed, and some of it will stick. I'll get a big crop. Look, Eddie, some of it landed in the thick soil. Now those seeds have a chance. They'll grow, Josie. All the seed can grow, but for some, there's a little hope. Maybe it's an accident, or maybe bad things happen to them. No matter what you do. Some of the seeds aren't going to grow, like the seeds on the pavement, right, Eddie? Yes, Josie, just like them. Then there are other seeds. Those seeds catch on, take hold, and grow quickly. But the soil is weak, and they can't set deep roots. Soon they turn brown, wither, and die. Just like the ones in the cracks, right, Eddie? Yes, Josie. Just like them. Then there are the rest. They grow tall, strong, flourish from the good soil. Eddie, you know what? I'm thinking that's a lot like people and Jesus. Well, what do you mean, Josie? I mean. Sometimes people hear about Jesus, but they don't pay any attention. And sometimes people hear about Jesus and get excited about the Word of God, but then they sort of disappear, and you don't see them any more. Then. 
There are the ones that grow strong in Jesus and they help spread the good news. Josh, I think you're finally getting it. Well, duh! That's why you said you were planting Christian seeds. That's right, Josie. Eddie. Yes, Josie. Can I help you sow some seeds? Sure. Let's go sow some seeds. Well, we're going to go sow some seeds. Talk to you all later. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Our children may be dismissed now to their classes, children's church. That was a good message there. Very good message there. If you have your Bibles, you might turn with me to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. We're actually going to be going to 2 Thessalonians here in a bit. But we'd like to begin there, I think, in First Thessalonians. As you um, notice on the screen, the day of the Lord is the title of what I want to share with you today. And um, we're going to move right to the next slide now where there is a picture. Everybody knows what that is on the screen, right? Yeah, that's home. Where we live, the earth, this place that God has created that we read about in the book of Genesis. That's kind of the big picture. And I wanted to put that on the screen today as we observe that and we'll refer to it at different times as we try to get a glimpse today of the big picture. Sometimes we get a narrow focus and we kind of... Um, miss out on some things, and I thought it might be helpful to have that in front of us today. Let me talk about the big picture just a little bit to, to bring this into our minds. Statistics are telling us now that at the present time, there are 7.6 billion people on planet Earth. That is, as of December of 2017, 7.6 billion people on earth. Now, if you would think with me for just a moment, we know that the Bible says, and these were the words of Jesus, narrow is the gate and difficult is the way which leads to life and there be few who find it. How many have ever heard that scripture? Where Jesus said it's a narrow gate and a, and a narrow way and it's a difficult way. Um, and there's going to be few people who find it. So, instead of assuming that 100% of the people are going to please the Lord and make it to heaven. Let's for just a moment take Jesus at his word. And let's take just a few of that 7.6 billion people. Just think with me for the sake of looking at the big picture. If we're talking about one dollar, how many pennies is that? Would you agree with me that one penny out of 100 pennies 
we could consider that few. It's a small number, right? I'm just going to use 1% and equate that with few. Now, I would hope that in the United States of America, there was a lot more than 1% of the people who are Christians and love the Lord, wouldn't you? I remember growing up hearing the statistics somewhere in the 60% range when I was younger. 60% were born-again Christians and loved the Lord. That was when I was small. Now the the statistic is somewhere in the 20% range or lower of people who claim to be born again and are church-going, Bible-believing people. That's a small number. But we're going to reduce that number even more. And just for the sake of illustration, I'm going to, I'm going to kind of do an overkill on this. And I want us to just assume that only 1% of the 7.6 billion people on earth are rapture ready. Y'all know what I'm talking about? They love the Lord. Their sins are forgiven. They're faithful to the Lord. 1% of the people on earth, 7.6 billion. That still leaves 76 million people who are rapture ready. I don't know if that does anything for you or not. But I was quite amazed when we quit looking at our community and look at the big picture. For God so loved the world. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. So God looks at the big picture. Because God didn't send Jesus Christ to die for Americans only. Amen. Whether it's in South Africa or North Africa or Asia or Europe or wherever we find people. Wherever there are human beings The Bible teaches us that God so loved those people that he sent his only begotten son to be the savior to those very people so that those people could be reconciled to God. And if we were to assume that only 1% of the population of this world, only 1%, I think it could be better than that, much better. I sure hope it's better than that. But if there was only 1%, of the people on earth today who were rapture ready, that would still be 76 million people. That's a whole lot of folks, isn't it? Now, you put that into your storehouse, but then recognize that it has been 2,000 years since Jesus came and gave his life on a cross. And throughout all those generations, there have been Christ followers There have been Christians. Am I right? Christianity is 2,000 years old. So if you were to go back, and I won't even attempt to put a number on, on how many that would have been. How many people have died in Christ in the last 2,000 years? It's way up in the millions, I would know. Way up in the millions. And if you think about that, um, the hundred years after Christ, and then 200 years after Christ, and then 300 years after Christ. I'm talking about people who were rapture ready. And all of those people still with their bodies in the grave and their spirits with the Lord. Amen. We illustrated that Sunday. Remember how when the spirit, how when the a person dies, if they die in the Lord, their spirit goes to be with God who gave it. Their bodies are placed in the ground. So all of those people 
for the last 2,000 years. Their spirits are with the Lord. Can you? Man, I'm going to tell you what. It got me excited when in my mind I began to look at the big picture and try to visualize what the rapture must look like. When all of those souls, millions and millions of them, began to rise up at the, what we call the rapture, and I'll talk more about that in just a little bit, I'm going to tell you what, it's going to be some kind of event. Now, it's going to be an event that people aren't going to see. We're going to talk about in a few moments how when the Lord comes back for what we call the rapture, and we're going to read about that in a moment in the scripture, when that happens, the Lord is not actually going to set foot on planet earth. He's going to, the Bible says, at the last trump, in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, he's going to make a circle around that earth and collect all of those who are his and there, the dead in Christ will rise. There will be a resurrection. The soul will be reunited with the body. And then they'll go to be with the Lord forevermore. But I want you to know that's going to be a whole bunch of folks. According to what I've just shared with you. If just, if just 1% of the population of the earth today alone is going to be 76 million. So maybe then we could understand when the book of Revelation says something like this. And there were multitudes and thousands upon thousands and a number that no man could number. I can understand that. I don't even know if I can comprehend a billion. I struggle with a million. But a billion? And then to think that there could be 76 million people in the world today who are raptured and taken away to be with the Lord. And that's a small number, I would hope. Wouldn't you hope that one, 1% is way low? I would. I want us to get, to begin to get a, a, a glimpse of the big picture today. We look at things in a, in a microcosm. We look at things in such little segments. And, and I think sometimes when we read the Bible, we need to, we need to just sit down and read it and open our minds and open our eyes. And look at the big picture because that's what God designed to reveal to us was the big picture of what he had in mind. And then when people like me and other pastors and preachers and professors and and, and when we all start getting in there and we dissect it and we go to the very words and, and we categorize this and categorize that and we come up with a thousand different doctrines. Amen? You, you all understand what I'm saying? You can take this very subject that we're talking about today and Google it and it'll make you so confused you won't know what you believe anymore. I Googled it just yesterday just kind of playing around with the subject and I found out that, that there was articles you could read where the, where the man that wrote this article, supposedly a Christian, supposedly a, a, um, a knowledgeable person in the word of God, he, the name of his article was, did Paul believe in the rapture? Did Jesus believe in the rapture? No, neither one of them did. And a, and a whole article was written about how just debunking everything I'm going to be sharing with you today. I'm going to share with you, we've got to look at the big picture. We've got to look at what God has communicated to us in his word. 
and quit listening to all the voices around us that come up with all kinds of theories, it is not difficult, my friends, to interpret the Bible and understand the Bible. You don't have to be a professor. You don't have to be a genius. You don't have to go to college to understand the Bible. Just open up your eyes and read the word of God and let the spirit of the Lord guide you. And he will lead you into wonderful truths. And then you'll know. Do you know that the Bible says that the spirit of God is the greatest teacher of all? It's amazing to me how how so many people are getting led astray where they used to believe the simple truths of the Bible and now they've become so enlightened because of something they think they have found that they're rejecting now the very basic truths of the Word of God. Now I'll be the first to tell you that I'm not smart enough to give you the the sequential order of all the events of the end time. If you're looking for that, don't come to me because I don't have the answers. But I'll tell you one thing. I know beyond a shadow of a doubt, there's going to be a rapture. The Lord's going to call people out of the graves and they're going to go back to be with him. And then there's another time when he's coming back, when he is going to set foot on this earth. He won't just make a circle and be gone in the moment in the twinkling of an eye. But the Bible says all the tribes of the earth shall mourn when they see him coming. It's going to be a very different time at the end of the days and the end of the Lord, the day of the Lord, which we'll be talking briefly about today. So I want to just share that with you. Now, let's go back. If I do anything today, and you know I'm struggling with my voice today, and I'm going to do the best I can, but you just bear with me. If I can accomplish one thing today, I don't care what you believe about the rapture as far as is it pre-tribulation, mid-tribulation, post-tribulation, pre-wrath, any any. Listen, there's people who believe the rapture is going to be at all kinds of different times. And some of those are brilliant men, smart men. And brilliant men and smart men don't always agree with one another about the sequential way that all of this is going to come about. I really don't even care. My my best theory that I've heard is the pan theory. You don't know what that means? That's when you just believe it's all going to pan out the way God wants it to. I don't have to understand it. I don't have to be able to predict it. But I want to tell you that Jesus is coming and his church needs to get ready. The Bible says it plainly. The Bible says it clearly. And if you don't get anything else, I want you to get these two things. That Jesus is coming to to catch away his saints, number one. And he's coming back for those who weren't called away. Those who didn't know Jesus. He's coming to bring very great destruction and horrible things upon this earth when his wrath is poured out. So we're going to begin in First Thessalonians. We read this last week. But I have to do this today. I want us to understand this is not, this is not a stretch. This is not, um, trying to peddle or, or sail a doctrine. Just accept the plain truth of what the Bible says as we read it now. First Thessalonians chapter four, verse 13. But I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep. That is, those who have died. We talked about that Sunday. They've died in the Lord. They're asleep with Jesus. Their spirit has gone to be with the Lord because the body, the Bible says to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Exactly. 
We established that last week. I don't want you to be unaware. I don't want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep. They were Christians. They loved Jesus. But now they've laid down their lives. They they have died as far as the flesh is concerned. And I, I want you to know that, understand that, lest you sorrow as others who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again. Anybody here believe Jesus died and rose again? If we believe that, even so, God will bring with him those who sleep in Jesus. Those spirits who have, who have gone to be with the Lord all those years, maybe 2,000 years. That's a long time, isn't it? Got a feeling it's not such a long time if you're with the Lord. But to us, it seems like a long time. But the Bible says, For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who sleep in Jesus. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who are asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, And with the trumpet of God and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up. Could everybody say caught up? Called up together with them in the clouds. That is, we are caught up with those who have just been resurrected. We're caught up with those who've just come out of the grave. We are not left behind. We didn't have to die. We are called up with them. We're transformed in the moment in the twinkling of an eye, another scripture says, together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And thus we shall always be with the Lord. And so the Bible says, therefore, comfort one another with these words. That is a positive message. That is a wonderful hope. That is something that we can hold to and believe and put our faith and trust in. And in case we would tend to forget it or not get it the first time, he says again in verse 11 of chapter 5, Therefore, comfort each other and edify one another just as you are also doing. Listen, don't ever, don't ever lose that. Don't lose the belief that the Bible is true and that Jesus is coming back for his people. When the trumpet sounds, the dead in Christ shall rise first. And if you're still alive at that time, you know, there's a lot of people who believed perhaps that the Lord was going to come in their lifetime and they would be transformed, but they didn't live that long. They did go ahead and pass. They went to be with the Lord before we got there, but that's all going to be fixed, isn't it? When the Lord comes back and they're resurrected and we join with them and go to be with the Lord forever. If you feel like that's good news, would you say amen? Amen. Now, it's comforting news. It's reality. It's going to happen. Just as sure as I'm standing here today, it's going to happen. But when we turn to 2 Thessalonians... Where our text is today, we see a very different story. We see in chapter 1, not one that's contradictory to the one we just read, but it's the people who didn't know the Lord that we're going to read about now. 
For 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, we're going to begin reading now in verse 6. Since, since it is a righteous thing with God to repay with tribulation those who trouble you and to give you who are troubled rest with us when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven with his mighty angels. Now listen to verse 8. The Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire, taking vengeance on those who do not know God and on those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. These shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power. When he comes in that day to be glorified in his saints and to be admired among all those who believe because our testimony among you was believed. You've probably heard of the book, The Tale of Two Cities. But I'm going to tell you, here's a, a tale of two different destinations, is it not? The first group we read in First Thessalonians concerning the rapture. And let me say this, there's, there's always people who, who have heard something that has stuck in their mind and they, they really think they've got it figured out now. And they'll say, well, you, the, the rapture's not even in the Bible. The word rapture's not even there. Well, that's true. The word rapture is not there. The rapture is, uh, the word rapture comes from the Latin Vulgate Bible in, in 400 AD when it was, the Bible was translated into Latin. And those words that I had you repeat a few moments ago, caught up. I had you to say caught up. And they've translated that in Latin, a word that's very similar to rapture. And so we have adopted that word to describe this whole event that I've just been talking about for the last few minutes. It is true the word rapture is not in the Bible. But it is also true that the Bible teaches a rapture. Does that make sense? Because the Bible talks about how we're going to be caught up. And we use the word rapture to explain that. So don't let somebody get you all worked up in your mind when they tell you the word rapture is not even in the Bible and you go searching for it and it's not there. I'll tell you right now, it's not there. But the teaching of that, what that word means is there. And it's there in more than one place. It's not a, not a, 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 a hidden away doctrine. It's a very, as a matter of fact, you know what it is? The resurrection is the pivotal point of the gospel. The Apostle Paul said to the Corinthians, if Jesus rose from the dead, as he did, uh, actually Paul said, if Jesus did not rise from the dead, then your faith is vain. We don't have any question about the resurrection of Jesus, do we? No, sir, not a bit. I believe he rose from the dead. Now, I know there's been polls taken. I've heard my dad share it uh, years and years ago, and I've heard it since. There were polls taken where... Where there was like 80% of pastors who were polled did not believe in the resurrection and they did not believe in the virgin birth. I tell you, you can go where you want to go and worship where you want to go worship. But if I, if I was standing and if I was in a church and I knew the pastor didn't believe in the virgin birth 
and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, I don't know why I'd be there. If you don't believe the Bible, then why stand in a pulpit? Amen. We believe in the resurrection. And Paul said, if Jesus did not rise from the dead, then we are still in our sins. And if Jesus didn't rise from the dead, we're not going to rise either. Well, I happen to believe he rose from the dead. And I'm absolutely convinced one day I'm going to rise one way or the other. I'm going to be resurrected or I'm going to be changed in the moment in the twinkling of an eye. I know that because my name is written in heaven and the Bible declares that. And there's not enough professors in seminaries in the United States of America to change my mind on that fact. I'm not going to argue the sequential part of it, how and what order it happens. I'm just going to tell you it's going to happen. And God's going to take care of the timing. That's a wonderful thing. But then the people who don't know Jesus... The people who've turned him away, the people who have rejected him, it's not a popular message, is it? We don't even like to hear it sometimes when we hear it. But it's a very um, pronounced fact in the scripture over and over again. But here it is worded so, so powerfully. The Lord Jesus is going to come in flaming fire, taking vengeance on those who do not know God. And on those who do not obey the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Turn with me to Revelation 19 if you don't mind. And I'm going to read a passage there. Right quick that um, correlates with what we're talking about. Revelation 19 beginning at verse 11. Now I saw heaven open. And this is what John saw. John the Revelator on the Isle of Patmos. This is what he saw in his vision. He says, now I saw heaven opened and behold a white horse and he who sat on him was called faithful and true and in righteousness he judges and makes war. Now we're reading about Jesus. I want you to read this, read this description of Jesus. Jesus is not when he comes back. First time he came, he came like a lamb. John the Baptist looked at him and said, behold the lamb of God. The first time Jesus came to this earth, he came like a lamb. The second time he comes, when he comes back, he's coming like a lion. And the Bible says he judges and makes war. Verse 12, his eyes were like a flame of fire and on his head were many crowns. He had a name written that no one knew except himself. He was clothed with a robe dipped in blood and his name is called the word of God. And the armies in heaven, clothed in white linen, white and clean, followed him on white horses. Now out of his mouth goes a sharp sword, that with it he should strike the nations. You know, he doesn't need a sword on a side. All he needs is the word of his voice. He speaks it and it happens. So the Bible says, he himself will rule them with a rod of iron. He himself treads the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of Almighty God. And on his robe and on his thigh a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. You and I have a decision to make in this life. Amen. We have to make up our minds if we're going to be rapture ready or if we're going to reject the Lord and refuse his love and be here when the Lord pours out his wrath on this earth. It's not going to be pretty when it happens. The good news is, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, as we were reading earlier, says that God has not appointed us to wrath. 
Now listen, folks, when you're reading the Bible, when you're reading Scripture, pay attention to what it says. Sometimes it uses the phraseology us. Sometimes it uses the phraseology them. Now the distinction is very great there. The Lord has not ordained us to wrath. We who are Christians. We who love the Lord. He's not ordained us to wrath. But there has been a group of people that has been ordained to wrath. Of their own choosing, those who reject the Lord Jesus Christ. And he's coming in vengeance and flaming fire uh, flaming fire, to pour out his wrath on this earth. That, my friends, is the word of God. The, the chronology, the sequence in which these events happened, I don't even care to get into that anymore. I used to get into that and argue with that and discuss that with people and they'd quit, quit loving you because you didn't agree with them. I'm just telling you, if the Bible says it's going to happen, it's going to happen. And you can take that to the bank. And I do know this, that once the rapture happens, now remember, at the rapture, when we're called up, is the biblical terminology, when we're called up, Jesus will never set foot on that ball that you see on the screen. Jesus himself in Matthew 24 kind of gives a clue as to what that's going to be like when he said, as the lightning strikes from the east to the west. How many have ever seen that happen? Doesn't take very long, does it? There's lightning here. And the lightning goes like that. And it's over. And that's the Bible's. Jesus is the one who said that. That's the way the coming of the Son of Man is going to be when he comes to catch his people away. In the moment, in the twinkling of an eye. At the last trump. Nobody's going to see him. Everybody's going to say, what happened? Did you see that? No, I didn't see anything. But yet, millions of people perhaps will disappear at the rapture. People can laugh. People can call you a fool because you believe the Bible. I want to tell you what. You better settle it in your heart that what God's word says is true. And don't let anybody persuade you otherwise. We're not talking about, <clears throat> we're not talking about getting involved with discussions and somebody trying to change your mind about the timing of the rapture. That's not the discussion. Just that there is a rapture and God's gonna do it. That's what I'm talking about. Don't let anybody change your mind on that. It's coming. And Jesus teaches us in many of his parables that we should be ready. You ever heard the phrase rapture ready? I'm sure you have. That means we need to be sure our names are written down in the Lamb's Book of Life. We need to make sure we're walking in fellowship with the Lord. Probably 40 to 50 years ago, there's a song we used to sing, and I want to read you those words. Somebody sat down and read the scripture. They read the book of Revelation. They understood what Jesus taught about the subject, I'm sure. I know they did. I can read the words of this song. And they wrote this song as if they had missed the rapture. If you would listen to this. We used to sing this a lot when I was in a youth group. Life was filled with guns and war. And all of us got trampled on the floor. I wish we'd all been ready. Children died. Think tribulation here. Children died. The days grew cold. 
A piece of bread could buy a bag of gold. I wish we'd all been ready. There's no time to change your mind. The sun has come and you've been left behind. A man, his wife, asleep in bed. She hears a noise and turns her head. He's gone. I wish we'd all been ready. Two men walking up a hill. These are Jesus' words. One disappears and one left standing still. I wish we'd all been ready. There's no time to change your mind. The sun has come and you've been left behind. Remember in the Old Testament when Noah preached for all those years that they needed to repent and a flood was coming and the people mocked and scoffed and they didn't believe And then the Bible says one day the door was shut. When it started raining, like it did here a few minutes ago, and we could hear it on the roof, when it started raining, no doubt, they started panicking. Lord, save us, let us in. The door was shut. Noah didn't shut the door, God shut the door. Several of the parables of Jesus teach that same lesson. When it's over, it's over. In the book of Revelation, the Bible says that God gave this woman named Jezebel three words, space to repent. He gave her space to repent. She didn't repent. The Lord said he was going to cast her into these this bed of trouble and difficulty and tribulation because of that. The father spoke. The demons died. How could you have been so blind? There's no time to change your mind. The sun has come and you've been left behind. I want to share with you today that every day of our lives, we need to live as if we were meeting the Lord that very day. Because we never know, do we? I'm going to take just a moment as I close and tell a story about my dad. He's going to get me for this. I rode out in the driveway the other day, a month or so ago, two months ago. And dad was on a ladder. You remember that, don't you, dad? I kind of fussed at him. I said, dad, you don't, I'm talking about a ladder. I don't mean a footstool. I mean a ladder. I said, Dad, don't do that. You don't need to be on that ladder. Call me and let me do it for you. Please don't get on the ladder. And he was on the ladder. And he said, well, I don't think I'm going to fall. And I said, do you think anybody who gets on a ladder thinks they're going to (laughs) fall? Nobody who gets on a ladder thinks they're going to fall, right? But sometimes... They fall. Nobody thinks you're going to leave this world today. But I'll guarantee you if you'll watch the news tomorrow morning and read the paper, you'll find out that some people left this world today. They didn't think they were going to, but they did. Am I right? Don't take it for granted, folks. Because there's going to be a time when it's too late. 
when you can't change them. You can't make your decision after you're gone. You have to make your decision before you leave. Please, please be rapture ready. Love the Lord with all of your heart. If there's anything in your life that you know is not right between you and the Lord, you disobeying his word, you've, you've um, violated his commandments in some way, you know you have failed him. I'm going to tell you what, this, this altar in this church, every single Sunday should be filled with people who are coming and talking to the Lord before we leave and go back out into the world. Really. I can remember it being that way when, when I was growing up. It wasn't unusual for somebody to come to the altar and talk to the Lord. Sometimes the choir would be singing. And somebody would leave the choir and come to the altar. The next thing, the whole choir would come down and pray with him. <coughs> You've seen that happen long ago. I'm going to tell you what. If we ever needed to ride the altar... We're living in the days when we need to ride the altar. So I'm saying that openly to all of us. It's not a shame. It's not an embarrassment. Truth be told, all of us who are here have needs. And we could all benefit by having a talk with the Lord. Not just today, but every time we come. What a wonderful thing if we became a church that did that. Not out of habit necessarily, but out of our hunger for God, because we want to make sure everything's all right every day, all the time. (coughs) I'm going to ask Beth to come and lead us in this song, What a Day That Will Be. And if you would like to talk to the Lord... If nothing else, just to tell him, Lord, I'm ready. I'm ready. I want you to know I love you. I long to be with you someday. But if you'd like to talk to him, please come while we sing. Would you stand with us today, please?
truth of your word somehow set us free from apathy and unconcern and business as usual sometimes we get so distracted by the things of life that the things of God are not important to us as they should be Lord, my desire is when that last trumpet sounds, Lord, I want to be close enough to you that I can hear that. I want to be ready. I want my heart to be pure. I want my hands to be clean. I want my my mind and my body. I want everything, Lord, to be pleasing in your sight. I want to hear you say, well done, good and faithful servant. Lord, it's my prayer today that nobody in this building, not one single person, would ever hear those words, depart from me, I never knew you. Help us, Lord. Help us to be sold out to you, surrendered to you, filled with your spirit. Hungry for spiritual things and rapture ready. Lord, you paid a great price for our salvation. Help us not take it for granted. Help us, Lord, not to be nonchalant about spiritual things, but recognize that your coming is closer today than it's ever been before. So minister to us, Lord. These who are at the altar even now, Pray, Lord, that you would minister to them. Lord, those at our seats, minister to all of us and speak to our hearts and create in us a hunger and a thirst for spiritual things like we've never had before. We're asking for transformation. We're asking, Lord, that you would change us, draw us near into your presence. And we'll thank you for it. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus.
thank you for being here today. I can only believe, based on looking at the big picture, if you're fortunate enough to make it in the rapture, I think we're going to have an eye-opening experience. Because this will be far bigger than you ever dreamed, including so many millions of people through the centuries that have lived for the Lord. It's quite an awesome thought. I don't want to miss it. Do you? No, not at all. Thank you for being here today. Remember, we have our Wednesday evening service at 7, have Bible study in the lobby. Awana's here, youth over in this room. Please join us if you can. God bless you. Thank <laughs> you.